Hello there, and welcome to episode 66 of the Sports and Spirituality Show, the last one for the calendar year of 2022. And we look forward to 2023 and many more episodes to come of the Sports and Spirituality Show. A special thank you to the Fairfield County Sports Network for making it possible for us to have the Sports and Spirituality Show and our friends Greg and Mitch Price of Price Custom Homes. Thank you for your sponsorship all year long. They build homes. Uh, they've been doing it for about 50 years. They can help you from the beginning of the process to the end of the process and every point in between. You can get more information by going to their website, pricecustomhomes.com. Thanks again, Greg and Mitch Price, for sponsoring the Sports and Spirituality Show. A special thank you to our friend Mike O'Reilly, WLRY Radio for Life at 88.9 FM for airing this podcast on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. My friend George Chatter, Saver Radio for airing it on on Monday evenings, we couldn't have the Sports and Spirituality Show to the level that we do without your help. Thank you on behalf of our co-host and I for being able to, to broadcast through your mechanisms and systems. All of 2022 has been a blessing largely due to to your participation, and we really appreciate your help. My name is Steve Rao, and our co-host is the regular co-host, and she is the apple of her dad, Brian McSweeney's eye, and her husband, Josh, as well. She has a pair of kids, uh, Lucy and Wade. Uh, she goes bananas at high school sporting events uh, because she's a fan of those, but not a fan of, um, you know, like um, Ohio State or the Blue Jackets or uh, the Reds or Indians. She's not a fan of that. But she does go bananas in high school games. She's like the grapes of wrath. She never takes a bath. And she's a real peach. She is with Young Life Lancaster. She's Kelsey Bull. Welcome back to the Sports and Spirituality Show, Episode 66. Hey, Steve. <coughs> what, uh, what, what do you think about that intro? It was pretty fruity. Was it? Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of like you. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yes, and so that's why I was describing you. Sure. In a, a fruitful sort of way. Got it. Um, before we get to the fruits, and maybe why we're talking about fruit, uh, <clears throat> 66, does that number mean anything to you? I haven't asked you about the numbers you in a while. Haven't. I know. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, <laughs> thank goodness, she says. I think we were like well into the 30s or 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Nope, means 66 nothing. doesn't mean anything to you. What about you? Oh, well, I, I want you to think about it for a second. The number 66, does that mean anything to you on the sports and spirituality show? Got anything? No. 66. Nothing. No, what? Okay. <clears throat> Do you happen to know how many books there are in the Bible? I'm guessing 66. Well, that's a very good guess, and you're exactly <laughs> right. Go ahead and recite them for us. Genesis, go ahead and start there. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, first and second. Oh, no. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first and second. Chronicles. Samuel, first and second. <laughs> Kings, first and second. Chronicles. Cool. Ezra. Nehemiah. Esther. Ruth. Job. <laughs> I don't know. Guys, I don't know. Okay. I'm just totally guessing. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Guy, Zechariah, Malachi. Do you happen to know the books of the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Hebrews. Uh, go eat popcorn. Oh, Galatians, Ephesians. Philippians, current, nope, uh, Colossians. Very good. First and second Corinthians, or did we already do yeah, that? You, you did. You already okay, did that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hebrews, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jude. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> what's at the end? Revelation. Very good. Let's see. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, Acts, Romans, first, second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and second Thessalonians, first and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. First and Second Peter, First and Second, Third John, Jude, and Revelation. I think that might be all of them. All no. sixty-six books. I don't know if I even got them right, uh, but I think I did. 
Yeah, uh, I don't know either. Yeah, yeah, there was a Ruth in there somewhere in the Old Testament. Yeah. I might, <laughs> I might have missed that. You I'm left sure. her out. Yeah, I might have left her out. No How one dare you. Yeah, no, no, don't want to do that. So 66, uh, episode 66 um, has something to do with the books of the Bible. And uh, so that's uh, what number that when I think 66, that's the uh, that's thing that I think, think about. There's also um, a, um, a Route 66. Yeah. Right? I think... It goes across the entire United States of America. Oh, I thought it was like Chicago to like, it, I don't know, it might L.A. Be. or something. I'm, I'm telling you more than I know. Now, because it's kind of this iconic route, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a song, I Get My Kicks on Route 66. Yeah, I've that's heard what, it. Have you? Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe 66, that's what it means uh, to some people. Uh, but here on the Sports and Spirituality Show, 66 means uh, the uh, books of the Bible. For you. Right. <laughs> it meant nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently only to one of us. Um, uh, on, back to fruit. Okay. Um, why Why are we talking about all the fruity ways that you are? I'm assuming because of the peach bowl. Oh, the peach bowl. What, what do we know about the peach bowl? Ohio State's playing in it. They are. Do you happen to know who they're playing? Georgia. That's correct. Uh, what's their nickname? Georgia? Yeah. Uh, the Bulldogs? That's very good. And you are Their formidable. nickname threw me off. Oh, I'm sorry. What would you call them? The mascot? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I am that's a former probably, that's bulldog, probably, but not a Georgia. Yeah, I'm yeah. a former bulldog, right. but not a Georgia bulldog. Correct. Right. The Bloom Carroll Bulldog, right? Bloom Carroll Bulldogs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yes. Okay. The uh, Georgia Bulldogs uh, taking on the Ohio State University. And we have the opportunity have the president and CEO of the Peach Bowl, a guy named Gary Stoken, um, who said he would come on the podcast if we would like him to. Uh, what do you think? I think that's wild. Can't it wait is. to hear from him. I know. You know what? Uh, we ought to do that. So maybe later on this program, we can add uh, Gary Stoken uh, to uh, our festivities. What do you say? It sounds great. I know this is the last podcast of the calendar year as we record this, um, and it will air um, right ahead of the Peach Bowl on uh, some uh, on a radio station here, uh, WLRY 88.9, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, but uh, <coughs> yes, yeah, so we're excited to hear what Gary Stoken has to say about the Georgia Bulldogs and our beloved Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, and we'll talk maybe a little bit more about that. But um, so of this fruit, uh, that's why we were talking about fruit, right? Because we went in with the peach bowl. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like you are the apple of your dad's eye and your husband's eye? Sure. Do you? How do you define that? I don't know. That's why I said sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's, let's travel there for a minute. Okay. <laughs> I'm not even sure. Such an odd phrase. It is, isn't it? Yeah. There must be a reason for it. I don't. Do you happen to know? I don't. <laughs> uh, uh, no, uh, I don't know either. But uh, it's an old expression. Yeah. Um, do you have a uh, uh, Do you have a pair of kids? I do. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do, do you often refer to them as a pair of kids? No, I don't no, think I've ever. Uh, you don't think you've ever done that? Yeah. Huh? Interesting. Here are my pair of kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Why would that be wrong? It wouldn't be wrong, but yeah. I just, maybe if I had twins, uh-huh. it would be more likely. Interesting, isn't it? We yeah. call them a pair of right. twins mm-hmm. because you have, why do we do that? Why do we call them a pair of twins, but you have two kids, you're not allowed to call them a pair of kids. You can. I don't think it's, you're not allowed. I just think we don't. And so yeah. it sounds weird. Okay, so 2023, one of your resolutions is going to be you're going to start referring to your kids as a pair of kids? No. You're going to start a trend. At least start somewhere. Somebody was the first to say pair of twins. Sure. So I think you ought to start using pair of kids. Now, I have a quad of kids, and so I, I can't use that phrase. No, you have two pairs of kids. I have two pairs? So I have to start saying it like that? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I got two pairs of kids. Two pairs of and kids. And I got three daughters and one son, so I can't say I got triplet daughters. And they're not tri- triplets, no. you understand. Two pairs would be yeah. four, right? Yeah, it would. It would. The math's good uh, there. I know Thank it's you. probably not your strength, but uh, <laughs> we, we thank Rick Schaffner for that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pair, you have a pair of kids, and I have two pair of kids. Yeah. So I have a pair pair because I have a, a pair of pair of kids. Okay. Does that make sense? Nope. Uh, so we're not going to, we're probably not going to start anything new here? We are not. Okay. Um, do you go bananas at ball games? Actually, I feel like I'm pretty m- mellow. Yeah, you're pretty chill. <laughs> Uh, so you do sometimes go bananas. Uh, okay, um, maybe never. Um, uh, are you part of the grapes of wrath that never take a bath? I don't know what that means or is, and so really, I do now, bathe myself. Do you? 
<laughs> Thank yep. the Lord for that. Um, so, <laughs> uh, the grapes of wrath are from Veggie Tales. Do you oh, remember? Oh, it's a book. It's a classic book. Veggie Tales is no the grapes of wrath. Oh yes, it's a classic okay. American novel. Okay, right? yes, but what I'm saying is, um, uh, Veggie Tales, uh, they've adopted that because. Um, Actually, grapes are a fruit. I don't know. Why are they on Veggie Tales? I don't even know. Uh, but uh, they have these characters. Sure. Uh, you know, they've got Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber. And they have this group called the Grapes of Wrath. And there's a song uh, about the Grapes of Wrath. And the, one of the lines of the song is they never take a bath. Got it. Yeah. I've never been into the Veggie Tale scene. Uh, oh, okay. So Very good. Wasn't familiar. Well, it, it just dawned on me right now that uh, those are fruits. So they I don't are. know why they don't own veggie tails, but uh, yeah, if you had fruit tails, then it would make more sense. Okay. Yeah, that's the grapes of wrath. You never take a bath. Maybe that's why they're angry. Sure. Are you angry because you don't take a bath? No. Nope. Okay, I want to ask you a personal question. Don't answer if you don't want to. Okay. Um, are you a shower gal or a bath gal? Shower. Yeah. But it's because we don't really have a great bathtub situation. Okay. And I wonder if I had a nice bathtub, I think I would be more. I see. Yeah. Well, um, uh, how are you defining great bathtub situation? <laughs> Our bathtub is like pretty shallow. Okay. We kind live of in like an you old and house. your education oh, and mindset. Sure. <laughs> hey, down, down deep, I'm really shallow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm this sorry. took a weird turn, y'all. I'm it so did. sorry. It did take a weird turn. So <laughs> your bath is shallow. Your bathtub. Yes, okay. we live in an old house. It's okay. just for sure outdated. I got you. Yep. Is it a claw tub? No. Okay. Those are usually not shallow. They're not, and yeah. uh, the people really like them. Yeah, sign me up for one of those. Really? Yeah. Not interested? Uh, no, it, 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 it didn't <laughs> appeal to me. Um, now, I have taken a bath before, and there are times that I enjoy that. Sure. Uh, maybe a little Epsom salts. I'm not a bath bomb guy, um, but um, <laughs> I... yeah. Uh, there's, there's times, especially when my uh, my muscles are tired, uh, to uh, sit in uh, a, a tub, rest. I have been known to fall asleep a time or two uh, in doing that. And so uh, there's some advantages to that. But definitely a shower guy, uh, mm -hmm. not not uh, a major embracer of, of, of the bath side of things. Mm -hmm. And I think I ended with, uh, you're a real peach. Yep. And uh, on behalf of half of the host <laughs> of this program, uh, thank you for coming on the Sports and Spirituality Show. Yeah. Thank you for being my friend. As always. I think uh, it is my pleasure. you're a real peach. Thank you. I'm not even sure what that means. Yeah. I also feel like that is a phrase that can easily be uh, sarcastic. Oh, I see. And so... Oh, I got you. Like, like sometimes it's a compliment. Like, yeah, you're right. such a peach. Right. Sometimes it's like... Oh, she's a real peach. Yes. Like that. Yes. I wasn't saying it that way. Sure. You understand. Uh-huh. Yeah, good. Because um, I hadn't really thought of that until till yep. now. So, yes. So, we're talking about this fruit because of the peach bowl, which uh, we mentioned. It's also sponsored by Chick-fil-A. Where are you on the Chick-fil-A oh. My gosh. world? I love Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Yeah, do you? Uh, you know what? I like it. Um, I might probably sing something sacrilegious here, but uh, if I have the choice of Chick-fil-A or Canes... You're going Canes? I'm going the Canes route. No, that's a really hard debate for me, personally. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, I, I can understand that. That is tricky. I feel like they are obviously both chicken, but done quite differently. Yes. And um, I do appreciate, like, uh, Chick-fil-A has some really good salads. I would prefer... Like, even the Chick-fil-A sauce versus cane sauce debate is wild uh -huh. to me. Like yeah. With Cane's chicken fingers, I want the cane sauce. Same. But with um, Chick-fil-A chicken, I want the Chick-fil-A sauce. Yeah. So, I don't know. They just, like, are a m magical pair in my mind. And right. there's no crossing. I will say I probably prefer Cane's crinkle cut fries to Chick-fil-A's waffle fries. I see. But I also love that Chick-fil-A has, like multiple other sides right fruit mac and cheese i love their breakfast biscuits uh -huh. canes doesn't do breakfast nope so you know i think they both have really great qualities <laughs> 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 and i could keep talking but i'll stop
You're just like staring at me, nodding your head. I so enjoy it. Though. I just ate canes last night for dinner, and I'm like, I might have to have canes for lunch. Yeah, me too. Uh, we've talked about it enough now that I'm probably going to have to have some canes. I wish that we had a Chick-fil-A in Lancaster. The closest one to our location where we record here is about 40 minutes away. Yeah, it's a trek. Yeah. Now, I'm not a pickle guy, so if mm-hmm. uh, I think a pickle comes on the sandwich. I don't rec- I'm not typically a sandwich girl at okay so. what do you get there they're nuggets okay yep. uh, and i got uh, chicken strips mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. because i'm also Josh is a fan of those yeah i'm also not maybe a sandwich uh chicken sandwich guy yes. there especially sure so yeah i went with chicken strips that was uh that was really good uh, that was a good time they also have my favorite drink the diet dr pepper Oh, yes. And that's one of their drinks of choice. Yes. Uh, one of the other things we love about Chick-fil-A, I'm guessing, is when you say thank you, they say, you remember? My pleasure. That's right. Uh, and so that's that's a cool way to respond. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm probably uh, on the cane side of things when it comes to the sauce. And I'm probably the opposite. Um, I really enjoy those waffle fries. You do? I do. Okay. Yeah. It, it, I think probably just because they're new, different, unique. Right. Uh, you have canes more often than Chick-fil-A. I do. Yeah. I do because of proximity. Right. Yeah. And um, someone you know quite well Yep. works for them. He does. Now, he doesn't work there much oh. because he played football and he's got practices and games and, and so he's not able to work as much and now he's playing basketball. You're talking about my son, Samuel. I am. Uh, who uh, has been there about a year and a half. Uh, he's already received two or three promotions uh, since his time there. So he's done a great job. That's awesome. Um, but, um, yes, uh, that might be another reason why I might lean a little more towards the Canes side uh, of things. I really might have to get Canes today. Uh, and yeah. I just ate it last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, sister. I didn't last night, so that's mm-hmm, why I'm behind. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm behind. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're ahead of me. You could have two meals, and then we'd be even. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe lunch and dinner. <laughs> Where Wait. I was just thinking two combos for lunch. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> just eat two combos for lunch. Yeah. I like, I like, I like where you're going uh, with that. So the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl um, uh, coming up on the 31st of December. The Georgia Bulldogs versus uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, we're excited about that. And I'm really excited about the fact that they made it. I mean, what to, a ride. Yes. Um, Wild. I was there at the Ohio State-Michigan game. You were... Um, and uh, there was the most number of people I think I've seen uh, since I've gone to, to, to these games. It's just people everywhere. And that sense of literally everything was on the line. Yes. Big Ten championship, perfect season, opportunity to be in college football playoffs, all of it dashed at the expense of that team up north. Yeah. Lost and you two would, years in a row. You would have said that it felt like that, right? Oh, like it absolutely did. The atmosphere was we just lost everything. We have lost everything. Uh, and, and we mean that, mm-hmm. and certainly in the sports side of things. Right, uh, right. As a 57-year-old guy, I realize it really isn't that important. Yes. It does hit me in the feels and emotion, and quite frankly, I think it's why we love sports. Mm-hmm. We get to take this emotional ride, like, oh, man, we're really excited. We're going to win this game. We're going to go um, the Big Ten Championship game. We're going to be undefeated. We're going to play Nope, all of it gone. Right. And the reason why it uh, hurts as feels like a huge letdown is because we had this great buildup, right? Right. But it is why we love sports, to ride that uh, roller coaster kind of thing. Yeah, the unpredictability. Yes. So we lose. Yes. So we're, we think we're out. out. We think we're going to be number five or six, yep, right? exactly. And only the top four go on. And we're going to play in the, I don't know, uh, Beef O'Brady Bowl or something. Um, Never heard of it. Yeah, it was a thing. I don't even. Know. I don't know if it's still in existence or not. Um, yeah. So we're like, yeah, it's, it's over. So then, what happens? What happens next is a thing of beauty. Right. We right. needed at least one team to lose. One of the top four teams. Yes. Yes. And to our credit or benefit. Two of the four lost. Yes. Georgia wins. Of course, Michigan wins the Big Ten Championship, which is really hard for me to say. Um, And then TCU, the Texas Christian University. Yes. uh, They lose. That is their second loss. So, correction, that was their first loss. But they are not kind of an iconic name, so you're pretty sure they're out. Got it. But then USC, the University of Southern California, um, they lose to Utah for the second time in the same year. 
which is kind of hard to do, uh, to lose twice to the same team in the same year. Usually, Why did they play them twice? Because uh, they, it was a championship game. It was the, oh. it was the, the, uh, the Pac-10 uh, championship game. Oh. And so uh, that's why uh, they were the top two teams. Um, Utah beats them, and when that happened, I stayed up and watched uh, that game. I'm like, we are in. We're in. Of course, you don't know that until Sunday at noon um, when they make the reveal about the four teams that are in, and I was absolutely 100% convinced we were going to be So in. Michigan is playing Utah? No. Oh. Uh, um, because uh, Utah is not in the, in the top four. Oh, wait, Michigan is playing who then? Um, yeah, Michigan uh, will take on. <laughs> I'm really, really uh, disappointed that I can't remember oh, okay. uh, who that is because Georgia plays Ohio State. I was so focused on that. Um, uh, Michigan is going to play. Uh, actually, they're going to play TCU. TCU yeah, did not TCU. get knocked out. No. Uh, they stayed in because they only had one loss. Got it. Got Even it, though it. they lost their championship game, they only had one loss. USC had two. Alabama had two. I think Alabama's the fifth team, uh, fifth or sixth team. I think they're fifth. Uh, and so, um, yes, uh, they, all, they, they got knocked out. I'm telling you, the college football playoffs would love, love, love to have Ohio State beat Georgia and Michigan, and Michigan to beat T- TCU, yes. right? I mean, come on. Remember, we like, had that's this, what we want. We had this discussion about yes. uh, the number of eyeballs that were on that. Yeah. 17 million people watched yeah. that. Can you imagine what the number would be uh, for a national Michigan, championship, a Ohio rematch? State. Oh, my gosh. That's what we want. So both, it is. So TCU plays Michigan. Correct. Uh, on four o'clock, I think. Yes, Saturday, December thirty-first at four o'clock. Correct. Ohio State plays Georgia at eight o'clock. Correct. And then the national championship game is at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles on the 9th of January. If my is that a Monday? Right. It is. It's a Monday. I night. really don't like the big games. I being don't either. On week. No, days. and they, on, they start them at 8 or 9 o'clock. Yeah. And if your kids wanted to watch it, they couldn't. Right. Because they got to be in bed because they're going to have to be at school the next day. Yeah, that uh, is so silly. we got to start a campaign to get that changed. But, uh, uh, yeah, you talk about new hope and new life. We just finished the holiday season, mm-hmm. uh, right, of uh, Christmas, uh, where Jesus comes to bring joy to the world, uh, bring you good tidings of great joy to be to all the people. Uh, you find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, uh, uh, the angels singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth uh, to whom his favor rests. We just celebrate that, um, bringing hope to the world. Oh, and the sports and spirituality show, we thought all hope was lost, and then it was returned. Um, and so super stoked about this opportunity to be in the college football playoffs as uh, one, at least one true Ohio State fan. Do you have plans observer. for the game? Well, um, I, um, uh, I'm not sure <laughs> what is going to work out for okay, me. Okay. Uh, so I've got uh, I've got to work on some details here. I'd kind of like to go to Atlanta, Georgia at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium yeah. and watch the game live and in person, but I'm not sure uh, if that's all going to work out. So we shall see uh, what develops there. Yeah, I can't wait to hear. Go Bucks. So, um, there's one other thing I wanted to touch on. Okay. Um, as we are recording this podcast, uh, very recently, uh, there were a couple of uh, a well-known athletes, especially here in Central Ohio, um, that passed away. And uh, the reason why this is impactful to me is because you know, we think about the holiday season and all of the glitz and glamour and gifts and cookies and music and all of that uh, uh, that we really enjoy. But it can also be a very challenging time for individuals uh, who lose loved ones. And uh, I'm thinking about uh, some families right now that uh, lost loved ones even in the, in the last few months. Right. And uh, in, in tragic ways, especially the younger you are, the more challenging uh, the loss can be. My friend Scott and uh, his father-in-law, George, and uh, my, my friend Sarah and her husband, J.R., and, and, and my friends Rocky and Cheryl. Uh, losing uh, young loved ones, and they're going to experience their first Christmas uh, without these uh, young people uh, in their life. And uh, 
So I would encourage us here on the Sports and Spirituality Show, let's remember uh, in prayer those who have lost loved ones. Especially, It's never easy to lose a loved one, but to lose them uh, around the holidays or to experience your first holiday uh, without that loved one. You remember their traditions. You remember them walking through the door. You remember what they smelled like. You remember what they wore. You remember all of that stuff. And now... All of that is gone, um, and so uh, let's, uh, let's remember uh, these people uh, in prayer today uh, as we think about them, as the Lord brings them to our mind uh, during this very festive and joyous season. Uh, there are some real challenges that people are facing. Have you had some of that as well? Yeah, I was recently at, um, I guess it was a party, but a gathering of some high school age and college age uh, friends of mine. And three of three of my college age girlfriends shared that within the last month, they've all lost a grandma. And, you know, I think we got in a big conversation about grief and how I think grief to me, one of the biggest feelings of grief is just loneliness, because usually when you lose someone, if you have people around you in your life and they know that they come alongside you, they support you, they're sorry, they maybe get you a gift or bring you a meal or check in on you a little bit extra but slowly but surely that goes away and you're left with this void in your life and even your family who like has also lost someone your relationship with the person you lost is so unique to you that the way that they're grieving and what they've lost is different than yours and so grief is so interesting because I think it's such a universal feeling losing someone we've all been there or will be there but the way we experience it is so individual so it's it's fascinating because in one sense it is so unifying but then it's also so um individual yes and i think it's such a fascinating emotion and experience because the way that we grieve i mean there's just it almost feels like the analogy that comes to mind is like you know how there's no um same snowflake or like no same fingerprint right it's like there's there can be no same grief for any one person and sure there's patterns and there's ways i think that a lot of really smart people have helped us figure out how to grieve healthily and um i think those things are great but at some level no one else can understand the nuances that you experience when you lose someone um and so i think we have to remember when we're in the seasons of grief that other people have gone before us and have experienced it other people are experiencing it right now and other people will experience it because i think we could focus on the loneliness um, and the uniqueness and get lost in that instead of recognizing okay, no one else's experience is the exact same, but I am not alone. It's so important to remember, and I'm really glad you mentioned that. I believe there's five primary stages of grief, uh, anger, denial, depression, bargaining, and acceptance. And those five stages of grief, they don't come in a linear fashion, right? First, I'm angry. Then I get over that. Then I'm in denial. Then I get over it. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes all five of those emotions will happen within a few minutes. Yes. Um, and then uh, it will happen at times when you don't expect it. And you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be sad because I'm going to this uh, gathering uh, of family and friends, uh, uh, holiday season events, and I'm going to really feel this particular way. And that that's true. Then sometimes it hits you out of the blue uh, when you're not uh, expecting You You find yourself angry. Uh, you find yourself, uh, you know, in some bargaining uh, way and like, like, why am I acting? Oh, okay, that's grief showing up. I've said this so often. Grief always comes out. Mm-hmm. And what we must do is to do our very best to make sure it comes out in healthy ways. Um, and uh, sometimes you have to start new traditions. Uh, uh, someone that I know that lost a, uh, a loved one recently uh, changed a routine because they were addressing this grief. And I was so proud of them uh, for doing that because uh, they were intentional about what they were doing uh, to address. Uh, address these kinds of things and so uh, it, it is important uh, to give people a little space say you don't grieve like I do uh, one of the things that I, I really dislike is when people say things like I know how you feel 
you can't possibly know how they feel. Mm-hmm. To your point, you didn't have that same relationship. You don't have the same emotions. You're a different person. Uh, the way you react uh, and, and act and all of those uh, are different. The relationship you have with a loved one was different. So you can't really know how another person feels. So I, I think it's unwise to say that or to say things um, like, well, um, it could be worse. Uh, this situation, you know, um, it, those aren't helpful things, uh, especially for a person who's going through grief. So let's, uh, let's be careful about the things that we say. Uh, but I absolutely believe that the most important thing you can do is to be present. So I applaud you for being there uh, for these young ladies who are walking through the grieving process. Um, you obviously offered words of encouragement and support and help, and that's really, really good. The most important thing, I think, was that you were there for them. You gave them space to work through their grief, and it's very, very important. Thanks. That's yeah. kind of you to say. Well, well it's true. Uh, I am going to write one more book, I think, um, mm-hmm. uh, about the Ministry of Presence. Um, I have uh, got a new title for it. I'm not ready to reveal that yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, this concept because I think what you did absolutely, I believe, is the most important thing that can be done. Um, that is you just show up in that moment. Yes, we want to bring food. Yes, we want to offer words of encouragement. Yes, we want to offer hug. Uh, and those are all important. And you can't really do those if you're not actually there, right? Right. Um, but the most important thing is that you showed up, you were there for them, uh, mm-hmm. even in what might be an uncomfortable situation because oh, yeah. somebody's going through grief. For uh, sure. But we must do that. So uh, one of the reasons I was thinking about this grief is because a couple of significant athletes passed away. I'll say a name and, and see if uh, you, you you know these people. Uh, Franco Harris. Nothing. Not doing anything for you? Nope. Okay. Well, part of me is glad about that because he was a Pittsburgh Steeler. And in <laughs> in, in my world, it's one of my most hated teams. Sure. Uh, we're, are we allowed to hate teams? I don't know. But, um, yeah, Franco Harris. Uh-huh. Um, he was an outstanding running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he made what is called the Immaculate Reception. It was around uh, uh, Christmas time, the 22nd or 23rd of December. Um, and uh, there was this very, very low pass. He was able to receive it and help them uh, win this contest. And because it was around Christmas, they referred to it as the Immaculate Reception. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm a real big fan of uh, you know creative words uh, sure. like that. So that was really cool. Um, <clears throat> I went to an event uh, where Franco Harris spoke. Okay. I went with my boss, actually my boss's boss. I sat next to her, and she said, who's that guy? I said, he's the speaker. And she said, what's his name? Franco Harris. Oh, what did he do? He played football. And now she was from Germany. Uh, originally, uh, Lee Horwitz is her name, and uh, she said, I don't know anything about football. Well, what position did he play? And I mm-hmm. said, he's running back. She's like, what does that mean? So I remember I got a piece of paper out, and I'm drawing the offensive line, uh-huh. the quarterback. Uh, he was actually more of a fullback than a tailback, and so I'm drawing that. And when I was reflecting on Franco Harris, and it, it made me think of you. Because oh. I could imagine sitting with you, and you were going, Franco Harris, don't know him. Uh, what position do you play? Uh, fullback. Okay, wh- wh- where's that? And I would have to do the exact same thing. So here we are some many, many years later. Yeah. Um, a little deja vu all over again, me having to try to explain to you who Franco Harris is. Sure. I tell you what, he was not a good speaker. He was a great speaker. Mm. He took us on a journey. It was incredible. I'm not a Steeler fan. I didn't go there because I'm a Steeler fan. I went there because my boss said we had to go to this meeting, and he was the featured speaker. He did a tremendous job of communicating. It was really, really cool. Uh, so, uh, what the, a cool memory. The, the world has lost a, uh, oh, uh, an amazing communicator uh, in Franco Harris. And around the, the uh, holiday season, uh, so you want to say especially special prayer for the Harris family uh, and uh, all those uh, who uh, are mourning uh, the loss of Franco Harris. And then there's another guy. I'm going to say his name and you you tell me uh, what you know about him. Tom Browning. Nothing. You got nothing? You know what sport it might be? Well, I do because we briefly talked about this ahead of time oh okay what sport is it baseball yeah what team reds yes the cincinnati reds the world's greatest baseball team in the history of baseball uh, at least in my humble opinion sure um tom browning 
uh, this is something that I would do. I would take my wife to baseball games. She doesn't care about baseball. She cares less than you do uh, about it, which is kind of hard to believe, but uh, it's true. Um, so I would tell her different things about uh, the players so she yes. would be more engaged. Yeah. Um, Tom's wife is Debbie, Debbie Browning. Um, if you ask my wife right now, Tom Browning's wife, what's her first name? She'll tell you it's Debbie. She remembers it uh, because it, it was, it, that helped to engage her in the conversation. Right. Tom Browning um, is called Mr. Perfect. The reason for that, in September of 1988, if my memory serves correct, um, he was uh, he was pitching in, uh, in, in a game. Do you understand what a perfect game is? If you're a pitcher, it means no one hits. Uh, like you throw strikes, no balls. Uh, no, it, um, does, it doesn't mean that. It's close. No. But uh, there, <laughs> are, uh, there are no official base hits. That doesn't mean nobody hits the ball, but oh. nobody gets on base. So there's um, 27 batters because it's nine innings. Nine times three is 27. So nine, okay. uh, uh, nine innings of three batters apiece, 27 batters up. 27 batters down. Some of those strike out, some of those fly out, some of those ground out. Um, but uh, a player did not get hit by a pitch. A player did not walk. Uh, a player did not get on base by virtue of an error. Uh, 27 batters up, 27 batters down. That's a perfect game. Okay. And uh, September 1988, um, Tom Browning is scheduled to pitch. It rains. Um, so there's a about a two-hour delay. Uh, so they don't play baseball in the rain. Um, not not when it's lightning and thunder oh. or or too sloppy, uh, too dangerous. So they, they there was a rain delay. Um, as a matter of fact, his wife left uh, the uh, the stadium. stadium. Yeah, because she's like probably not going to play tonight. Even though my my husband she went to home. She went home. Oh, uh, and uh, she missed it. Uh, she went to Cincinnati. Uh, she, you know, she lived, uh, had an apartment or whatever in Cincinnati. And so she goes home. Um, they decide to play the game. They started at about uh, 9.30, 10 o'clock. Oh, my at gosh. Night. Yeah. These games are long. Uh, they are. It's about two and a half hours. This is probably a little less than that because he had 27 batters he faced. He got 27 That's and out. That's true. Makes the game go a little quicker. Um, so um, about halfway through uh, the game, uh, Tom's wife, Debbie, realizes, hey, um, we got something special going here. You think she was watching it at home? Uh, she's either watching it or listening to it on the radio. Okay. Um, uh, my good friend, Marty Brenman and, uh, and Joe Nuxall were calling the action. Uh, and so she comes back. As a matter of fact, I believe they got a message up to Marty Brenneman to say to Tom's wife, Debbie, you might want to come back to the stadium because oh your husband's doing something pretty cool right here. So sure. she comes back, and uh, uh, he's got now 26 outs. At this moment, I am driving to work at Bank One. I had to be there at midnight. Um, Why? Um, because I worked in the check processing division, uh, excuse me, the credit card processing division, and we printed the the uh, MasterCard and Visa statements and different reports, and so uh, the printing happened overnight. So I had to be there at midnight. What a rough shift. It was. I worked midnight to noon. It is a long shift. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So I, it, it, it was, um, I was getting off of State Route 270, the outer belt. I uh, was getting off of Cleveland Avenue, and Tom Browning got the last out, and I'm literally the only guy in my car. I'm yelling. I'm pumping my fist in the air. I'm super excited about it. He was the eighth perfect game in baseball history. Now, let me put that in context for you. Baseball's been around. The Reds have been around since 1869. Uh, just if we take the modern era, which was 1901, to 1988, that's 87 years. If you added the number of games, it's roughly about 250,000 baseball games that have been played. 250,000. That's what I said. 250,000 because you got about 30 teams. You sure. played 162 games a year. You do the math. Um, it adds up quickly. Okay. In 250,000 games, only eight of them ended in a perfect game. Have we had one since his? Uh, we have. Oh. I don't remember the details on that. But uh, Tom Browning became Mr. Perfect, and I was super excited. I couldn't wait to get to the office because my friend Paul Hyde – he brought in a boom, a boom box. That's what you had in 1988. He'd bring a boom box and he would listen to the Reds games. I couldn't wait to get in there and celebrate with my friend. And I'd say, Paul, Paul, did you listen to the game? And he's like, no. <gasps> did anything happen? Oh, my gosh. Paul, I can't believe you missed it. 
<laughs> he was listening to music or he was busy or whatever, right. and he never had the game on. And I know <laughs> if, if I find Paul Hyde right now, um, he's going to say one of the disappointments in his life is that he didn't listen to the Reds game that night, September 1988, when Tom Browning pitched a perfect game. Um, it was just super exciting stuff. So all of those memories come flooding back as I'm flipping through Twitter and I see someone say, uh, rest in peace, mm. Tom Browning, uh, Mr. Perfect, no longer with us. Um, it, uh, <coughs> I, he, he came to the River Valley Mall, Tom Browning. Well, after he, his perfect game. He did, and he was signing autographs for people. Did you go? I did. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so I met Tom Browning. Um, he charged $4 for an autograph. Okay. So I paid my four bucks. I give him my card. He signs it. Uh, I still have the card. Uh, I'm quite sure. Oh, actually, I have to double check that. Uh, but uh, I might have given it to my brother because he and I kind of had shared uh, baseball cards. Mm. And uh, so <laughs> many years later, that could be worth a lot of money right now. It, it could. I should. I should find that. I want to put forth a little effort. Fun. <laughs> um, yeah, Tom Browning. Um, uh, he was on a radio show where it was a call-in thing. And I remember all of these emotions and thoughts, and, and I remember meeting him at the River Valley Mall. So I call the radio station. They put me on hold. And then finally they say, Steve from Lancaster, you're next. I said, Tom Browning, pleasure to talk to you. You still charge four bucks for an autograph? And he cracked up laughing. <laughs> this is a real story. Oh, yeah. This absolutely happened. Um, he's cracking up laughing because he's like, no, I don't charge for autographs. I said, well, dude, I paid four bucks for an autograph at the River Valley Mall in Lancaster, Ohio. And he's like, well, dude, that wasn't me. That was whoever was organizing the sure. event. They were the one that was charging you for my autograph. I never <laughs> did that. And uh, it was just a funny uh, moment. Is that all you said to him? Uh, well, I, I said, you know, congratulations on the perfect game. I've been a Reds fan forever. I yeah. love what you do. I don't remember what else I said. But I do remember when I asked him, he's charging four bucks for an autograph. He thought it was really funny. I'm uh, glad he did. Uh, yes, so am I, because it could have maybe gone uh, a different way. So, sure. So, any rate, uh, some uh, um, wonderful memories um, that, that I have about Tom Browning and, and Franco Harris as well. Um, so, as we kind of conclude the year, um, and as we conclude uh, the holiday season, it is important to remember those who have lost loved ones uh, having some challenging times here. I tell you what, it's time, I think, to bring on our guest from the Peach Bowl, uh, the president and CEO of the Peach Bowl, Gary Stoken. But right before we do that, uh, I wanted to thank you uh, for the wonderful job you're doing uh, as the co-host here on the Sports and Spirituality Show. It's been a great 2022, and I'm looking forward to 2023 with you. Uh, will you come back? next year yeah Will i'll you? be back yeah you know what we ought to have like a year in review kind of show maybe okay. next time sounds w good want to try that yeah look back and then maybe look forward yes uh maybe think about some of our uh, favorite guests we've had or something along that line you open to that i am outstanding well uh thank you again for your participation in the sports and spirituality show uh it's been great having you as a friend and a co-host and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again next year thanks steve as we promised, the president and CEO of the Peach Bowl, Gary Stoken, joining us here on this podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Sure. Glad to be here. Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you as well. Thank We're going to talk about the Peach Bowl and how you got involved in all that process, but we'd like to learn a little bit about our guest. Uh, where are you from originally? So I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh Grew up there, went to school at North Carolina State, uh, played basketball there, and then coached basketball there, um, but uh, originally from Pittsburgh. Uh, outstanding. Well, as we record this, uh, it is, I think, minus 6 degrees with a wind chill of minus 31 uh, with snow on the ground. I'm guessing that's not what the weather forecast is in Atlanta as we record this. Well, we're at uh, 16 degrees, but uh, sunny with no... Uh, uh, no precipitation. Well, I'm guessing a guy from Pittsburgh is used to the weather we're, we're experiencing here in central Ohio. Yeah, very much so. I, I walked in today and all my staff was complaining about how cold it was. And I said, boy, Pittsburgh would die to have a beautiful sunny day at 17 today. Uh, no question about that. Um, uh, talk to me about your family. Are you married? 
Yeah, so I'm married. I have two daughters, uh, Christy and Michelle. They are married and have two grandson, two sons each. So we have four grandsons. Um, I married my high school sweetheart from Pittsburgh, and uh, we've been married 44 years. Uh, outstanding stuff right there. First of all, we want to uh, thank you for the excellent example uh, that you and your wife have set on uh, taking those vows pretty seriously, right? For better or worse, uh, rich or poor, sickness and health. Uh, thank you for that uh, wonderful example uh, that you've set there. So you mentioned... Yeah, that, that's what uh, my parents and uh, her parents, uh, they were both married uh, over 50 years. So... Uh, we, we had good teachers. Uh, well, uh, it, you were also a good student as well, right? Uh, <laughs> so not, not every good teacher has great students, but uh, your parents uh, did, and uh, that's awesome stuff right there. So wait a minute. You said you were a basketball player at North Carolina State University, the Wolfpack, right? Yes. Uh, how does a, a, a college basketball player end up being involved in one of the premier bowls in football? Well, I've been very blessed. I, I went from uh, coaching uh, to Adidas on the corporate side of sports and then with Converse and then started my own sports marketing company, sold that to a company in London uh, as they wanted to get into the Atlanta market for the Olympics in 96. Then I went back to work for Adidas and, uh, and then uh, had the opportunity. As, as I served as a volunteer for the Peach Bowl and the Atlanta Sports Council for years in my corporate life. And um, when my predecessor went to run the Super Bowl in 1998 that Atlanta was going to host in 2000, uh, a couple of board members came to me and said, hey, how would you like to come and run the Atlanta Sports Council and the Peach Bowl? And so here I am 25 years later. Yeah, that's quite a run. Uh, congratulations on your silver anniversary of leading the Peach Bowl. Well, thank you. It's been a great run. I, I go back uh, to 1998, our first year, we had Georgia, Virginia, and our newspaper, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, headline was that Georgia's going to a third-tier bowl game, the Peach Bowl. And that's how we were thought of in our own city. And now to be hosting number one Georgia versus uh, number four Ohio State and hosting the national semifinal, the CFB, is uh, quite a remarkable uh, kind of comeback. So um, a lot of hard work by a lot of great volunteers and staff and, and board members and corporate support and fan support here in Atlanta. Uh, no question about it. Now, my guess is the uh, Peach Bowl takes about a week or two to put together, um, and uh, really not that hard. I mean, it's one game. It's one game a year, so you probably only have to work a couple of weeks out of the year. Is that correct? Well, I appreciate you giving me credit for a couple of weeks. Most people <laughs> tell me, hey, you work one day a year. It's like that commercial, AT&T commercial. You work one day a year, you come in and you put on a game, and that's it. But uh, um, you know, we, we take great pride in being the most charitable bowl organization in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, we were founded back in 1968, the ninth oldest bowl game, uh, but we were founded as a charity bowl by, by the Lions Lighthouse in Atlanta. And we hold that mission true and near to our heart uh, as we've given $60.9 million uh, back to charities and foundations since 2002. Uh, this year we'll give... Uh, six million dollars to charity and so uh, that makes us the most charitable bull organization in the country and we humbly proud of keeping with our mission that's great stuff right there i heard a rumor that the georgia lions club named gary stoken a hero of the gridiron award is that true yeah i don't know how they got that but uh <laughs> yeah we've had some some great uh people win that award some really Good people off the field really do some great things. And, uh, you know, it's a blessing to be able to use football to uh, and use sports, really, to create significant and meaningful uh, impacts on communities that don't have the opportunities. 
Yeah, that's very good. My hunch is, Gary, that uh, the over $60 million you've given is part of the reason why they've gone that direction right there. Um, so uh, when you have this opportunity, so you are obviously um, collecting funds, uh, selling tickets, um, sponsorships, all that kind of thing, and uh, then you have the maybe arduous task of finding out um, who you're going to bless with these funds. How do you go through that process? Yeah, it's a great question. We we have a focus of education and children are the two pillars that we really focus on. Um, we have created a John Lewis uh, Legacy of Courage scholarship that each school that plays in our, our bowl game um, or have played in our golf tournament, the coaches, we, uh, we've donated money back to their universities to endow a scholarship. Um, we have... Uh, over $8 million in 34 universities throughout the country. Um, this past year, we had 35 recipients uh, and totaled over $293,000 from those endowments. And that money goes to Title I kids in Atlanta or Georgia, uh, which Title I is underprivileged kids that don't have the funds to be able to attend college. And so um, in, in a lot of cases at some schools, uh, that we've had repetitively in our bowl game and playing in our golf tournament, we have substantial dollars like Clemson. We're throwing off probably about $30,000 a year in a scholarship. So a lot of these kids don't have the money to go to school. And a lot of them are the first kids in their whole history of their family to be able to attend college. Thanks to our, uh, our scholarships. So, you know, that's geared on in, in, in education. We also put an academic coach, in every one of the Atlanta uh, inner city public schools to work with the kids, A, to get their grades up, get their GPA up so they can, you know, attend college. B is work on their ACT and uh, ACT scores so they can get the scores to get into college and, uh, and graduate. And so then they have the opportunity to make themselves available for the, uh, uh, the scholarship money at those 34 universities. And if they, apply they get the money um and then we we also uh, uh, have donated 20 million dollars to children's health care of atlanta to uh, find a way to eradicate childhood cancer and right now we have seven trials with 12 kids everything from neuroblastoma to leukemia that we have trials that are working on trying to find cures treatments drugs to uh, either give a kid another day, another year, or a life. Um, so um, those are two of the two or three of the meaningful things that we're doing with children in education. That's powerful stuff right there. Uh, you know, sometimes you hear uh, different people complain about corporate America doesn't care about other people, and then uh, Gary Stoke, and the uh, uh, president and CEO of the Peach Bowl says, now, nah, uh, let me tell you about the ways we actually do care for people uh, using these corporate dollars. So uh, uh, outstanding work on your part right there. Now, when you uh, host the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia, there, my guess is it's a pretty strong economic boom for your city well it really is we've uh over my time in 25 years we've uh created 1.3 billion dollars of economic impact uh through our kickoff games at the beginning of the season our bowl game and um this year we'll uh anywhere from 80 to 100 million dollars of economic impact through our two kickoff games at the beginning of the season where we had georgia play oregon and Clemson played Georgia Tech, and then this game with Georgia versus Ohio State. So uh, it's very meaningful to our city. Um, we're the fourth largest convention town in the United States, behind Chicago, uh, Orlando, and Las Vegas. Not necessarily in that order, but we're fourth. And to think about four of the top six conventions on an annual basis in Atlanta, our three games plus the SEC football championship, are four of the top six conventions on an annual basis in Atlanta. And so that's how important college football is to the city of Atlanta from an economic impact standpoint. No question about it. Now, Chick-fil-A is one of your sponsors. How did you land that? Well, Chick-fil-A, I always tell people that their their product, their, their food is great, 
We all know it. The experience is great, but I always say their people are better. Yep. Um, and uh, this uh, in 1997, Chick-fil-A signed on to be the title sponsor of the Peach Bowl. Uh, and then I came in 98, so I didn't have anything to do with them signing on, but uh, I've worked with them for 25 years and just we meet on a monthly basis and you know, they ask what they can do for us, and we ask reciprocally what we can do for them. And we've developed a great partnership to where they're now the longest uh, standing sponsor in college football bowl history. Um, and uh, they grew as we grew. They started uh, the bowl in 1997 as their sponsorship. They started with uh, Virginia to Texas was their footprint, which was very similar to the relationship we had with having ACC versus SEC conference teams play in the Peach Bowl. And uh, as, as we grew, they grew. And now we're both uh, part of a national semifinal. Um, and uh, they're a national company now. So it's been a great run, a great partnership, and a great use, and a great uh, really example of how sports marketing can really help uh, a corporation develop its brand. It is amazing what we can get done when we choose to work together. Let's talk about these two football teams. Uh, I guess being in Atlanta for as long as you have, you probably have a bend in the uh, Georgia Bulldog direction. Of course, we are recording this podcast in central Ohio, so we've got a pretty strong bend towards the Ohio State Buckeyes. So what's your thoughts on the 2022 version of the Peach Bowl? Well, people always ask me who you, who you think is going to win, who do you want to win. And I always tell them I want a four four overtime game, so we can <laughs> we can have a close game that will help uh, viewership, um, which could be outstanding for New Year's Eve with with these two teams, two of the biggest brands in college football, obviously. Um, number two scoring offense with uh, Ohio State with C.J. Stroud, who led the led the nation in touchdowns with thirty seven and passing efficiency. And then you have the number two scoring defense in Georgia. So uh, styles make great fights, and this is a great two great styles to make a great fight on New Year's Eve. No question about that. Two-time Heisman finalist, uh, C.J. Stroud. Uh, the first time in uh, Ohio State history that that's happened um, as uh, <clears throat> a uh, definitely representing the Buckeyes very, very well. So um, you're going to be happy either way, it sounds like. Um, it's, uh, you've had, I think, 22 sellouts out of the last 25 years. You've got to feel pretty good about that as well. Yeah, it's been great work by our staff to uh, get out and sell the tickets. All the fans in Atlanta who buy the tickets and the corporations who really support us by sponsoring and buying tickets as well. So it wasn't long ago in 1985 that with uh, Army versus Illinois, and a, and a rainy sleep day in Atlanta with 22,000 people in attendance that uh, the Peach Bowl almost went out of business. And uh, Delta's CEO, Ron Allen, uh, stepped up, wrote the first sponsorship check in uh, 1985, and they went out and sold 3,300 tickets. And that put the bowl back on solid footing. And since then, we've gotten great corporate support from, you mentioned Chick-fil-A, Kia, Home Depot, um, uh, Georgia Power, a lot of great companies in Atlanta that uh, have supported uh, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Well, someone once said, everything rises and falls on leadership, and uh, you've provided outstanding leadership for this Peach Bowl. We're excited about uh, that New Year's Eve Bowl, and uh, we are allowed to root. I know you're not, but we're allowed to root for the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're hoping for a victory in the Peach Bowl. Thanks for joining us on this podcast, uh, and uh, we uh, uh, we'll, we'll root for that four-overtime game and uh, w w with a Buckeye victory for us here in this area. Well, I understand that, and, and we appreciate you having us, and uh, we, we look forward to providing Southern hospitality to a lot of the Buckeyes who will drive down I-75 or live in the metro Atlanta. We have a lot of, a lot of Buckeyes live here in metro uh, Atlanta and Georgia as well as the southeast. So I, I don't know that Georgia will have too big of a, an advantage uh, with all the Buckeyes that will be uh, flowing into Mercedes-Benz Stadium on New Year's Eve. No question. The Buckeyes definitely travel.
Gary Stoken, President and CEO of the Peach Bowl, thanks for coming on uh, this podcast. We really appreciate it, and thank you for the wonderful example you've set in your family life and in your business life, and we trust the Lord's blessing on you as you continue uh, your efforts. Well, thank you, and Merry Christmas. God bless to you and all your listeners, and hopefully we get a chance to see some down here in Atlanta, and uh, thanks again for having us. It is our privilege. Uh, Gary Stoken, President and CEO of the Peach Bowl, who's hosting the Ohio State Buckeyes versus the Georgia Bulldogs in the college football playoff semifinal. And that concludes episode 66 of the Sports and Spirituality Show podcast. Thanks to Price Custom Homes. Greg and Mitch Price for sponsoring this podcast. They can be reached at PriceCustomHomes.com. They've been building homes for nearly 50 years, so they'd love to help you as well. For my co-host, Kelsey Bowl, I'm Steve Rao, saying thank you for listening to the Sports and Spirituality Show podcast. Join us next time for episode 67 of the SAS 